0: Hammer Down Racing Report. And now your hosts, Scott Hammer, Ron Miller, and Jerry Keezer.
1: Welcome, race fans, to the Hammer Down Racing Report for Thursday, February 25th, show number 168. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> Ron Miller uh, called in sick tonight, so you're stuck with me, Scott Hammer, and uh, Jerry Keezer. Ron Miller's watching from the couch, so I'm sure he'll be commenting in anyways have to get his guess for how many and coming up a little bit later um speaking of which last week's how many how many uh inches of snow are going to be left out in front of my race shop we'll have the answer coming up and uh, you have something going on for that don't you jerry
2: yeah, t- uh, tonight's uh, how many winner that once we announce that they're also going to get a prize pack courtesy of Tim Sims, Tim's Dirt Track Simulators here in Lima, Ohio. I'm on location again this evening here at the Hillbilly High, High Banks, the home of Tim Sims. Uh, thank you to Tim and all his crew for having me in tonight. Uh, always fun to be over here, hang out and uh, drive the simulators. And do you actually what
1: do you get to play? One. Do you play before we actually start?
2: I didn't tonight, but normally, yeah, normally I'm in the cars. I, mm-hmm. I was over here last night till uh, about midnight racing with now, them. And
1: is is it called? playing a simulator or is it are you it's simu- racing. are you simulating
2: we're, we're racing we were racing against uh guys like Mason hannigan Randy Hannigan's son uh some of the bigger names in, in uh sim racing were actually involved last night in the event we were in and I made the a main eh, I think I finished a thir- 13th and I think Tim was 11th last night uh, we ran a big block mod or small block modifieds at uh Eldora so it was a good time D- definitely a learning experience running nose
1: you didn't flip or anything did you
2: no, 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 no. That's no, only when
1: you're running your truck. <laughs> in real life. No. That, no, that was one time. <laughs> That's all right. That's all it takes. Uh, you are listening to the Hammerdown Racing Report presented by Oakshade Raceway. We're coming at you live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, you can also check us out, of course, on uh, any podcasting platform. I'm always finding new ones. Every once in a while, I'll just find some weird, obscure one and do a search for Hammerdown Racing Report. Oh, there we are. Cool. Not sure how it happens. It just does. But uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you can find us there. Uh, Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter if you haven't yet, at Hammer Report. Follow us on YouTube. Like us on Facebook, uh, whatever you need to do. It's all good. If you miss any of that, check us out at HammerDownRacingReport.com for uh, information on all that stuff. Tonight on the show, we're going to be speaking to Jake Steele, the uh, Safety Director at Kalamazoo Speedway. It's easy for me to say. And uh, he's done a... He's done a bunch of uh, other things as well. We're going to be talking uh, about safety in in racing here in just a little bit. Um, also coming up, I'm not sure where, where Jerry's going. Jerry's leaving. It's okay.
2: Two, two seconds. Trying to help Tim out with something uh, real quick.
1: Okay. Uh, go through our uh, sponsors real quick. Make sure to uh, support our sponsors. Uh, they're the ones that make the show possible. Of course, o- Oakshade Raceway, we're the fastest meat to race. Uh, make sure to Check out their uh, website and follow them on Facebook too, oakshaderaceway.com. Uh, be on the lookout for that 2021 race schedule. Should be coming out soon. Real Geese Silhouette Decoys, the most technologically advanced goose and duck decoys ever produced, and they're made right here in the U.S. Check out RealGeese.com or give them a call, 419 800 8100. Millstream Speedway. Um, Weather, and COVID, there's been all kinds of stuff. He's still fighting through it, though. Uh, sp- Schedule just released uh, for, for Millstream Speedway. Looking forward to it. He's got some uh, some big events coming up. Check it out at uh, millstreamspeedway.net. And uh, first race, May uh I, or the, or the first weekend in, in May, second weekend in May.
2: April 11th and 25th of the Test and Tunes. Um, I don't have the schedule up yeah, right now, but I remember those much. two dates for sure. But that could be a good weekend to maybe go on location. Maybe go head up to Millstream and go check out one of the Test and Tunes. And maybe I talk to
1: maybe. Scott. Yeah, i will have to talk to yeah. Scott about that. Let's, let's see. that. That might be a good Yeah, and it's close for you too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're,
2: we're, it's right in the middle between you and I, okay. so that, that works out. All
1: right. Big D's Pizza, and Clyde, don't forget you uh, have a chance to win a Big D's uh, Pizza uh, with tonight's How Many. We'll tell you about that coming up a little bit later. Uh, give them a call, 419 547 And, of course, Ron Miller Race Cars in uh, Lamberville, Michigan. He's got race cars, parts, safety equipment, service, everything a racer needs. And, uh, like I said, he's watching now. Feeling under the weather. He didn't have much of a voice when I was uh, talking to him earlier, so he's so he's laying on the couch. He'll probably fall asleep. We'll probably help him fall asleep. That's what we're good for. Because um,
2: we're so organic.
1: Yeah, a couple things. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think of, like, food. <laughs> and that's you. Anyways, uh, we got had some racing action this past weekend. Jerry, uh, why don't you tell us about that? And then we'll, then we'll talk to Jake here, who's uh, waiting patiently in the wings.
2: All right, this week's Racing Roundup on the Hammerdown Racing Report brought to you by Tim Sims, Tim's Dirt Track Simulators. For all your sim racing needs, contact Tim in Lima, Ohio, 419-234-6628. This week's Racing Roundup, the Drydeen Extreme Dirt Car Series in action with Ross Bales nursing a damaged late model to victory after getting collected in a late race accident along with then-leader Matthew Nance Saturday night at the Lakeview Motor Speedway. Nance and Bales got their positions back for the restart with Bales getting by Nance for the win. Chris Madden earned his second series win on Sunday at Cherokee Speedway in South Carolina. Next up for the Extreme Dirt Car Series, Modoc Raceway in South Carolina on Saturday. In NASCAR action, and road survived a triple overtime finish Friday night at the Daytona Road Course to win the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Break Best Select 159. 18 year old Ty Gibbs won in his Xfinity series
1: debut in the Superstar Batteries. I'm surprised Saturday he's 18. Night. Have you seen him? I know. I thought he was
2: 13 or 14. I I, I was met him a couple of years ago.
1: I guess he would have been 16 then. He still looks. And I was surprised he was 16.
2: Well, Christopher Bell's the same way. And we're going to yeah. talk about him too. I he mean, he could
1: it, be 18 though, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We'll,
2: we'll take take a look at the pictures, folks. Okay. Tell me what you think about Christopher Bell. He he definitely looks young. Uh, speaking of Christopher Bell, he picked up the cup win uh, after chasing down a. Uh, Joey Logano late in the O'Reilly Auto Parts 253 on Sunday at the Daytona Road Course to earn his very first NASCAR Cup Series win. Big win for the 20 team. I look forward to seeing a lot more out of him. Uh, Him and Kyle Larson have had a lot of great battles in in open-wheel cars. I think we're going to see a lot of that in Cup between the two of them before it's all said and done as well. Next up for NASCAR, the trucks are in action with the Silver State 200 at Las Vegas on Friday, March 5th at 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Xfinity Racing, uh, the Contender Boots 250 at Homestead, Miami. It'll be this Saturday at 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, and the Cup Series is in action. Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead, Miami on Sunday at 3.30 on Fox. And that will do it for this week's Racing Roundup, brought to you by Tim Sims, powered by iRacing.
1: Yeah. He does look pretty young. You're right. (laughs) I'll give you that, uh, one one last thing too uh, that I didn't get to on your prep just came in uh, this morning. Some action last night uh, down at uh, where Fayetteville uh, Speedway. Fayetteville, yeah, North Carolina Speed Week started. Nick Hoffman started on the pole. I watched a, a little bit of this last night of uh, the modified feature, and uh, was racing against uh, Taylor Cook, former guest here in the show, and uh, related to uh, the Cook family here in the area. Um, Unfortunately, Nick Hoffman got the win. Taylor Cook finished uh, second. Chris Arnold finished third. The series continues uh, through Saturday night, streamed for free. You can watch on MAV TV Plus every night. So that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that out a little bit later. So with that said, uh, let's uh, bring in our guests tonight. Jake Steele. Uh, the uh, safety director there at uh, Kalamazoo Speedway. You were the safety director last year at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds uh, Speedway. You've been involved with the American Ethanol Series uh, late models. Uh, give, us, give us a little bit of background on on yourself and, and what it is you do, and then uh, we'll, go, we'll go from there, Jake.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been involved in racing for upwards of, I think, 16 years now. Uh, joined the fire department really young. Uh, after I joined had one of the guys that's run the safety crew out of Kalamazoo, invite me on to join them. They were all certified firefighters. So joined up with them after about five years, he decided it was time to buy a camper and go do NASCAR safety gigs. So I took over the, the driver's seat, did that for, for, you know, since then. Um, but then got tied up with American ethanol crew for a while doing the modified slate models as well as doing Nashville last year for the Fairground Speedway. Uh, we actually got a season in, uh, which was fortunate with COVID uh, restrictions, obviously, but Kalamazoo, we didn't get one. So alongside that, we, we developed a training program, which is kind of how we got pretty well known uh, over the past couple of years, been doing trainings down at PRI and uh, kind of all over the Midwest. So that's, that's kind of how it all started and, and we didn't really expect the program to take off like it did. The first training we did was a, a four-hour training at the Speedway, just hands-on, not real formal. That
1: um, was this a, fast is this forward. A, is this a program you developed then? Training program? Yeah, yeah. So it started off as a program we developed.
0: Uh, we hosted it for a couple of years under our our program. Uh, we went down to CRI, got tied in with the SFI uh, Foundation, put together a, a certified short track incident response program. So it's, it's certified across the country now. Uh, all the responders that get trained in it get a patch that goes on their fire suits just like an SFI tag. So the theory, theory on it is if I go work safety at your track and we're both certified in the same thing, we, we know we have the same knowledge. So that pro, that's really helped the program take off. And in that time, we've accumulated some simulators. we got a rollover simulator that allows us to put drivers inside of it, turn them upside down, have them practice getting out, which is good for the drivers if they've never been upside down before but it's also good for safety crews to A, experience what it's like to be upside down, but B, see how to get someone out efficiently. A couple years later, we developed our uh, cutter as we call it. It's an extrication simulator where we can actually, we have the jaws of life mounted in the engine compartment. So we can go to any track, teach them how to cut the roof off a car and backboard the patients out.
1: Now do you Uh, you take these with you or or do they have, do people have to come to you? No, we we take them everywhere.
0: We've taken the simulators down to Nashville. We've taken them down to PRI the last couple of years, all over Michigan. I uh, have a little map going of everywhere it's been. We've already got some events booked this year uh, coming up, some in Wisconsin, some down in Indiana. So we'll take them anywhere. The, the flipper's actually mounted on a, a dual axle trailer. And it's, it's super easy. We, we hook up to it and we can be set up in five minutes. And uh, we'll usually springtime during open practice, testing tunes, we'll go to tracks. And let drivers just hop in and, and see what it feels like, uh, and work with the safety crews a little bit.
2: So what? I'll have to try it sometime to see if it actually feels like the real thing. I, I, <laughs> unfortunately,
0: I have drivers that, that have done it, and they, they say it, it's pretty real, a little slower. But um, you know, it's something that just it's very discombobulating. We we'll we'll jerk it back and forth. It doesn't look super fast, but when you're inside of it and we're jerking around, you, you lose orientation pretty quick. Uh, oh yeah. So the big thing there is just, we teach the drivers the kind of the, the steps to remember. Uh, we have it a lot. Usually we get two, three rollovers a year at Kalamazoo. And we try to tell them uh, at our speedway, if, if they don't, they're not in danger, if there's no fire they can see, we'll be telling them on the receiver if there is, um, just to stay buckled up. We'll be there in a few seconds and then we'll get you down. Or we prefer doing the NASCAR roll where we leave them in the car, we can roll it over in a controlled roll and set the car right down. Um, and for anyone that's unfamiliar with it, we have a bunch of videos on our Facebook of both trainings and the live thing at our speedway. Uh, we used to make my wife ride in the back seat of the truck and take videos for us. Um, but what we find is the drivers that don't wait in the car—they pull the buckles, they fall down, and they're all in a spaghetti mess. And there's a steering wheel and a window net that they haven't dealt with yet. So. The biggest thing is take a second, take a breath, take the steering wheel off, just get it out of the car, and take the window net down, and then then get out of the car. Make yourself as much room in that that tight space as you possibly can. And the drivers that remember that it helps a ton. So, Wait, is,
1: what's um, what what's the standard? Is it uh, is it to to roll the car back over to get the driver to. Dr- get the driver out and just have him stay in there? Or do you want to get the driver out as soon as, as possible? Because it seems like the standard now is to roll the car over gently and then let the driver extricate himself if, if, he, if he's yeah. able to.
0: Every track's different uh, and it depends on the resources we have. Obviously at Kalamazoo every week, I have three wreckers. They're all twin cable, So I, I know what I have. Um, But when we were traveling with American ethanol or where I picked up other shows, you don't always know what records you're gonna have. So if you have a single line wrecker, it's not gonna do any good. Down at PRI, one of the companies we train with, they actually have like a giant inflatable airbag where it hooks with a leaf blower and they can blow it up and then flip the car on that and then let the air out. Um, But we prefer the driver staying in. If if they're not hurt, rolling them over, it's gonna be best to let them get out under their own power instead of them trying to get out upside down. Uh, again, if the car's on fire or there's, there's heavy uh, fuel around the area, we'll, we'll take them out upside down, but there is some risk associated with that. But also at the same time, if, if we feel the driver has um, any type of injury where we don't have time to roll them over, we'll absolutely take them out upside down. So there's, there's a whole kind of uh, list of steps that we go through pulling up on the scene. And usually myself and, and the passenger, who's our EMS uh, when we're working safety, the EMS person will be kind of looking at the driver's safety. I, as the driver, will be positioning the truck for the fire suppression, but then I immediately start looking at what we got to do to roll it over and if it's going to be possible. Um, but generally, we, you know, at the beginning of the night, we check all of our records, make sure they all work. When we're doing a away gig, working somewhere else, we'll go check what kind of records they have. And like I said, if they have a single cable, we can't properly perform that rollover. So we, we don't even try, we'll just get them out upside down.
1: So, how, how, what, what is your background in, in safety? I mean, how did you get into into the, the safety field?
0: Um, so, I joined the fire department, like I said, really young. I was 17 going through high school. And so, I was working part time in a gravel pit. And one of the guys coming in, there was a firefighter. He said, Hey, you know, you ever think about joining the fire department? So, I really hadn't at that point, but threw in my application a week later, got in the department, went through Fire Academy at night school during the day after fire academy i had always been into racing as a young kid my dad built a bunch of race cars with a bunch of different teams and enjoyed it Uh, hadn't really thought about the never thought about the track safety aspect of it It was just never anything i considered and Kalamazoo's always been known to have a really good safety crew uh, for 30 plus years now so one of the guys on a neighboring fire department said hey you ever thought about doing track safety and I had never gave it a consideration, but I said, yeah, I'll try it, and got out there, and I got addicted almost immediately, um, you know, getting paid to watch racing and, and have some fun while we're at it. it was a good time, so as I, I took over the the director role, I found higher-end staff is pretty hard um, because you have to find people that are uh, passionate about racing. We brought on firefighters that don't have the passion for racing, so they don't last very long, but finding people that are good at track safety was getting harder and harder. And then that's when we d- discovered there really wasn't a track safety program for anybody. So the first year we, we did a training, it really wasn't a, we never thought it was gonna become a training program that was going to become a company that would be traveling and doing it at PRI. But within five years, all of a sudden we're doing four or five talks at PRI with all of our simulators and realized that there, there just wasn't a, wasn't the, the opportunities for the short track safety crews. Um, And so the first year we had, I think six, eight people, not many, we just threw on Facebook. Hey, come on out if you want. Uh, Fast forward to two years ago, we had 55 people in the class. It was a two day, 16 hour class. It's every one of them got certified in in short track racing through SFI. Um, So they get a patch, they get their certification, then they get a flash drive that we've always said, nothing track safety wise is top secret. All of our forums and stuff we have, I'll email to you. You can take of Speedway off and put in whatever Speedway, and we're going to tell you everything that we know, and we're going to share everything we know. So something that really cool that SFI did was they give everyone a flash drive that they could take home with them with the entire PowerPoint, all the presentations, and all of our forms and documents. And so that way, it's just everybody's learning and expanding that growth.
1: Now, how can uh, people get in touch with you if uh, if they're interested in, in this uh, training program? Yeah,
0: uh, the easiest way right now is our Facebook, Kalamazoo Track Services. Uh, we're working on a website right now. I have a web developer that's it's making us a new site right now. It's going to be focused on the training as well as our, our racing schedule. Uh, and then me personally, all my contact information's on the Facebook page. But my email is services at Yahoo.com. Uh, so that's generally an easy way to get hold of me. Uh, or just through the Facebook page.
1: Okay. Now what uh, what do you uh, what do you think of uh, today? Is probably the most important piece of uh, safety equipment uh, for for a driver.
0: Uh, besides common
1: sense, uh, <laughs> well, you know, none of them have that. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, honestly, the, the. I. It's hard to say one piece that's more important than another. You see, drivers that they can go out there and win track championships, and they go up on victory lane and they have holes in their fire suits, obviously that's not gonna do them any good, but head and neck restraints are big. And, and honestly, I think for a lot of tracks, fire suppression is a, a key thing. You never know what tracks have um, or how close the nearest fire department is, stuff like that. So a fire suppression system is, I think, pretty crucial to have, as well as just, again, that knowledge of if you get upside down, the car's on fire, you gotta walk through in your head kind of what to do. Um, and, and a lot of drivers, they've never considered that. They never considered taking the wheel off and the belts off, but, um, obviously that and just making sure all your stuff is in check. If you, you get in a wreck and, and you smash up your helmet pretty bad, either it needs to go in and get checked out by SFI or you just need to scrap it and get a new one. Um, and, and you see that where there's, there's more and more cases of that, of people actually putting on Facebook. I think now as you're starting to see it, you know, helmets getting rocks in a dirt track stuff like that cracking their helmets two years ago at Zoo, we had a sprint car hit the wall and the driver hit his head and it it cracked his helmet uh straight down the center and then across it and it it did exactly what it was supposed to um and he ended up making a full recovery you know but that was very fortunate there you know he had some some broken bones and some spinal injuries that he had to deal with for a little bit after that so um but as far as uh safety equipment goes like i said i I don't really it's hard to put put a priority on one over another Um, obviously belts are another big thing where we see a lot of belts out there that are you know worn out shot Um, and so we did a couple years ago with lanes uh, automotive we did a belt training program for the safety summit so if you brought in a set of belts we didn't care how old expired worn out they were you automatically got twenty dollars off a new set of belts and then we took nice. those belts and we were able to put them in our simulator so we can actually have safety crews work on cutting belts and we can you know show them what they they do under heat stuff like that and so i got i think 80 sets of belts in the garage right now because <laughs> ready for last year's trainings and they obviously all got shut down so uh, we're ready for this year
1: so i think i might be due for some new belts so just saying <laughs> yep there you go <laughs> Ron Ron's uh chiming in here he's got a question for you he wants to know if uh, you work with individual tracks or uh, just uh, safety personnel
0: uh we work with anybody and everybody um you know obviously uh Kalamazoo track service we're we're our own crew there we have our own truck that's provided by Kalamazoo Speedway and all of our own equipment there but then we have a a handful of uh, pieces of equipment that we can travel with to any tracks um and so we've done it where we go to a track and work with just that track alone, we've had it where we've opened up our track and brought in safety personnel, uh, from where all over last, last year, we didn't do safety training because of COVID or right at the beginning, we were weeks away from it. Um, but the previous year, I said we had 55 people, there were 14 people from Pennsylvania, from Jennerstown fire department and they do Jennerstown speedway bringing people there's people from lancaster new york that come people from ohio indiana wisconsin but then we'll go to a track and and do um, training at just that track for that track we've had tracks that get new ownership and they've brought me in personally to consult kind of go around the track and see what i thought from a safety aspect and then get that kind of stuff in order and then go back with our safety crew and train their crew and i've had it where We train their safety crew during the day, and then we actually run their equipment at night with their safety crew by our side so they can see how we run it. Um, That's a real weird feeling sometimes trying to to get the handle of other tracks. Um, I know the first time I went to a dirt track compared to asphalt, it was driving a safety truck out there was a different feeling. But we we work with anybody, and we've also had it where the racetracks have had us go to the local fire department, uh, Thunderbird Speedway dirt track up north of us. They, they contacted their local fire department and we went to the fire department and trained during the fire station's training night, did a training with the fire department. Um, and it was just, it was a great, great experience getting everyone working together and then showing the, the personnel from fire departments what it's like going to a racetrack because that's something from a firefighter standpoint, racetrack extrication is completely different where on the street if we have a car accident doing an extrication is the hard part is getting to the driver you know you get the door out of the way the post whereas a race car that's the easiest part you can easily cut that roll tubing that aluminum but once you get to the driver if they're in a fully contained seat with head and neck restraints that's where it's difficult from a fire department aspect um and so when we go to fire departments they're always blown away like hey this is easy to cut the car apart but then it's once you get there, it it really, you have to slow down and and there's a lot more steps, especially when you get into the the sprint cars where it's a very confined space and and the seats are full containment, it's difficult.
1: Now, you mentioned earlier uh, a little bit about the fire suppression and and other rules. Do you think that uh, somebody needs to kind of come together and create maybe a standardized set of rules for, local tracks you know we were mentioning uh, before we came on with how eldora has uh the fire suppression system rule in place uh, for all their classes there and other tracks uh, you just need a fire extinguisher in your in your good uh what what's what's your uh, thoughts on that
0: yeah i mean definitely uh, you can't come up with one standard rule for all the divisions across the board um, but for coming up with standards for each division absolutely um it's, it's kind of like uh, ignition switches on cars there's some tracks or series that say hey they have to be right here so from a responder standpoint we know how to get shut off their power same thing with a suppression system if we know where that's at if the driver's unconscious is unable to do it that's going to help us out but for the driver's standpoint they need to have something in place and and there's two different ways of looking at it um, and, and we can go down both rabbit holes the one is, people that put their suppression systems where they're aimed on the engine compartment and the fuel cell. And they're like, Hey, if I put those, the fire out, the fires, there's nothing in the middle. That's really going to continue to burn, uh, which is fair, but my argument's always been you're upside down against the wall at the bottom of a track and a car next to you is upside down leaking fuel. And that fuel's coming down right underneath the roof of your car that catches fire. Your suppression system is aimed at two spots away from you. So I, I, it's hard to say which one's better. you know. On the drivers, definitely the best. The drivers always hate it when they have to pull it um, because it's, it, it sucks to breathe, it really does. Uh, especially from a the safety care standpoint, we, we usually end up getting the most of it, leaning in and getting them unbuckled. But getting something where you know each division has X, Y, Z, and that's where it's important from a safety care standpoint. If we have a division come in like CRA comes into Kalamazoo Knowing what their safety protocols are, we had big rigs come into Calumet. you had semi trucks out there racing, and obviously, that's a whole new set of safety equipment that we had never seen, never experienced. So, as a safety crew, we get to the track even earlier that day, and we spend a lot more time going through the safety equipment on those trucks. Um, and so, fire suppression is one of the the first things we ask: is Do you require it? What what size do you require? You know, is it just a 10 pound? Is it you see the little home kitchen ones that are just zip tied to the chassis bar and that's all they have to have. Um, So it'd be nice to see more and more tracks start working together and, and making rules that are standardized like they do for some rules packages for, for the values and templates of the cars.
1: Do you think, uh, do you think all the tracks do or or take all the necessary steps uh, that they should, as far as safety goes? Have you seen oh, any instances without naming any uh, particular tracks where you think there's some, some things that are lacking?
0: Absolutely. I, I, I think it's sad to say that is, as a racing community uh, tracks are further behind than they are ahead. Uh, it's hard to find, uh, there was one year, a couple of years ago, I did I think 55 races through, through several different tracks. And I can count on, on two hands, how many actually I think were properly um And the proper equipment, and and so the way I look at it for a track safety standpoint is our fire suppression should be enough to put out multiple cars throughout the night, different styles. But what we look at is... You're talking
1: about the the fire suppression for the safety crew, not on the cars, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. so what I look at is if I'm using my fire suppression equipment on a car that's on fire, and I have to call the fire department because it's out of control and I can't get it, how long is it going to take them to get there? And will I still be putting fire extinguisher suppression on it when they get there? That's what I consider success. There's obviously there's there's always circumstances, and I, I'm not gonna say we'll never have that experience, but I don't want to be standing there while a car's burning waiting for the fire department to show up. I want to still be hitting it with extinguishers and our suppression system. So that's how I look at it. And that's when I go to tracks and they ask me to look at, you know, what they have, I, I say how long does it take your fire department to get here? If you don't know, call your fire department, find out, work with them. Do they know which gate to go to? Do they know how to get on the track? And the other thing is, can the fire trucks even go on the track? If you get to a track that has real, real high angles, like a Winchester or something, it's not gonna get to every spot on that track. So um, looking at it from that aspect of, of what do you have? And, you know, I, I go to these tracks and it's sometimes it's, it's sad how, how far behind they are. And obviously, track safety is something that costs money, and it does. It's not a profit-making department at the track. You know, I always say at, at Kalamazoo, we're not the concession stand. We're not making hot dog money. We're not the beer tent. We're not selling beer. We're the track safety crew. We're we're wearing out fire suits and and wrecking radios and using suppression stuff. And one thing that we do that helps the cost is we we're big big advocates on water cannons, water extinguishers with foam in it. Uh, so we use FireAid. I think it's the best brand out there. It's a little bit more expensive than ColdFire or the FA500, but price wise it is, but you use less of it and it works, I think, a ton better. So we use water 99% of the time. And, you know, throughout a year, I, I might touch dry chem one or two times all year long. I, I try to stay away from it because I know at the end of the night, the owner has to, to pay to have that refilled.
1: So. It seems that uh, in the past few years, uh, there's been some fiery accidents and that seems to be some of the biggest criticisms of, of tracks and not having adequate fire suppression to put out these, these big fires. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of how, uh, we, we got, we stumbled into
0: the rollover simulator that we have. I did a, a podcast with, uh, the Mitch Walker show down in Georgia or Alabama I can't remember where it's from, but. It was after there was a fire crash in California where they had a water tanker that they brought out and there was no water in it. They had never checked the truck that day. Uh, Luckily, the driver got out and was all right. But once I saw those videos, I was just like, this is unbelievable. And so through talking to Mitch Walker, he had told me about the rollover simulator, which at the time resided in New Mexico. And that was a guy who his future son-in-law is engaged to his daughter was racing dirt mods the car rolled over caught fire and the fuel cell the flapper valve didn't work properly Um, so he was unable to get out because the safety crew wasn't a they weren't on the truck they didn't have fire suits on and a couple of them were actually at the concession stand so you know at Kalamazoo when once a car goes on the track we have our, our fire suits on nomex hoods helmets And we're on that truck the whole day, you know, and we staff one extra person so we can kind of rotate throughout the day. Um, But that was something where the what kind of was the first one I saw on Facebook of a real fiery crash that, you know, fortunately ended with no injuries. But you see it every year. I mean, come spring here, the first couple weeks of the season, you'll start seeing those where a track doesn't have the proper equipment or they sometimes they have the proper equipment, but they just haven't inspected it um so every every week we we fire up our fire suppression system we give it a test just to make sure it works because even though that equipment was setting from the last week in in a barn it was heated stuff still just manages to break sometimes so um that's the biggest thing for us is you know we we go through every single fire extinguisher we check the pressure on every single fire extinguisher and if the needle's just barely touching the green we we take the time to refill it we don't wait till it's in the red to refill it.
1: What, uh, what do you think is uh, the worst, what's a worst case scenario as far as a, a race accident scene in, in your, your opinion?
0: Oh, um, well, again, there's, there's so many variables. I think ones in the grandstands get tricky, um, you know, because you're, you're bringing in multiple, multiple aspects of it. You don't know how many patients you're going to have in the grandstands. You don't know if, when that car went through the fence, was there power lines running at the top of that fence that, got taken down in it. Um, uh, at Kalamazoo, some of our stands are aluminum, but we have some wood stands. So if that car catches fire, do you have a grandstand fire that our are on top of our grandstands, do those go up. So when we do our spring training, we, we plan and you know, we train for some pretty crazy stuff and we train for some normal stuff. Um, so we, we train, um, it's called high risk, low frequency. There's some really good videos out there on it, but we'll train the basics. Just Rollovers and small fires but then we try to throw a couple uh scenarios into our training program throughout the weekend so again if you go to our facebook there's some pictures of it we took our race car simulator and put it in the grandstands we had to use a 70 ton wrecker lift it up on and put it in the grandstands and then we took about a dozen rescue dummies and just put one under the car one in the car
1: one on the fence well, hopefully you didn't light and, it on fire too no okay
0: no i think think Gary would have been a little upset with us that day if we did that but what I did was I it wasn't we didn't get hands-on with that station at all it was you know obviously it was gonna be too hard to get hands-on with that station but what I did was I brought safety workers over and said all right this is what you got you know where's your number one priority and work your way down and I hid some mannequins in some pretty dirty spots you know that way they wouldn't <laughs> think to look but I'm like hey did you look back there over the you know the back side and stuff and my, my intent was really to, to trick them as much as possible just to keep their minds thinking. But uh, that's always been a worry of mine as a car in a grandstands. Again, that's something that you see every year and um a real possibility.
1: Is that, is that something you've personally uh, experienced? No, no. I've had a couple in the fences that, that have broke through the fence.
0: Uh, luckily, a couple of years ago, we had one. It was a modified. Went up into the fence at a different speedway. We were working that night. And it, it got onto the walkway right in front of the grandstands, but it, it was close, um, you know, and and for us, one of our local drivers at Kalamazoo, his father was actually down at Volusia doing speed weeks a couple of years ago, and a sprint car went over and landed on top of him. And he made a full recovery. He's, he's still out at Kalamazoo every week, but he was in bad shape for a long time. And, and I think there were two or three people involved in, in that injury. Um, you know, so for a safety crew where at Kalamazoo, we have six workers a night. I can't handle if there's 20 people in that section of grandstands and you know you get your resources get worn out quick Um, and something that you know I was trying to get to through the responders heads that took the classes you're not going to handle this by yourself you're going to have to call the fire department more EMS agencies and to to do that sooner than later not to wait till the, the grandstands are on fire to go okay now I think I can't put it out
1: and that's another. That's a reason that myself, uh, Jerry, and other announce, track racetrack announcers, you know, harp on uh, people to stay away from the fence because you never know what's going to happen, especially when there's race cars on the track.
0: Yep, absolutely. anything can
1: happen. Uh, we got some questions uh, coming in on the comments. We'll get to those in just a minute. Uh, one other question here for you: what's uh, what's the scariest incident that you've ever had to deal with? Um, and hopefully it wasn't too grisly. I don't want no, any grisly no. stories.
0: Knock on wood. I mean, a lot of them have, we've been pretty okay with, you know, have, have turned out pretty okay. Um, we, we've had a lot of scenarios. Nothing uh, – the one a couple years ago with the sprint car out of our speedway, that was probably the worst injuries that we've had for a driver. Uh, the one
1: with unfortunately, the, the cracked helmet?
0: Yep. Yeah, unfortunately I wasn't there that night. I was actually – we were doing a race in Canada. Uh, but my crew was um, – and we had just got a new backboard that year specialized to fit into a race seat. Um, so, talking to them, you know, it's the best best case scenario. But we've had a lot of scenarios at, at different speedways that, that could have been way worse. At, at Nashville this year, the, the photo kind of went viral, but we had a six car pile up on the back stretch coming out of two. Um, and that photo blew up on Facebook. Everybody saw it. And I was actually, uh, some of the nights I was up in the tower doing the race directing, other nights I'd be down on the track running the safety truck. So that night luckily I was in the safety truck and coming around there, there was, there was a lot of concern. Uh, you know, you, we got into some of the cars that, that were underneath other cars where you couldn't even see how many cars, if you look at the photo, some of the photos, you can only see five, but there was actually a sixth one. When I got to the sixth one, the fuel cell from the car in front of him was actually through the window and it wasn't, you know, more than a couple feet from his head. Um, so that was definitely terrifying for, for that aspect of it. Um, but, I mean, like I said, fortunately for most instances we have, we're, we're pretty lucky. Um, and something that Terry Kaiser runs a safety career with me, he's always said that we people say we don't have the big grizzly fires at Kalamazoo, um, which is true. But it's also we, we put a lot of gas on the, on the pedal uh, when we go to a wreck. So we don't waste much time. And, uh, you know, people say sometimes we drive a little bit. Recklessly, you know, when it comes to that, but we get there in time to get that fire knocked down before it becomes a big fire. Um, this year, we were racing I forty four for an ARCA race, and Augie Grills he had a, a pretty good fire that that uh, you can see photos of. And from the time that fire, it was fully involved in the engine compartment, going up into the firewall. We had it out and off the track in four minutes and twelve seconds, I think, when I watched the Speed fifty one video coverage of it. Wow. Um, and that's the thing; it's just executing efficiently and that's where our safety crew we we train we train hard you know we we drink a lot of beers after the races and and we we enjoy joking around having beers but you know when it comes time training yeah that's that's the photo there so um uh, i'm right there i'm i'm the one uh with my hands on my sides current at that point tj rooker he's hooking up a winch cable there uh tj was an awesome guy he's a national local um so he's up on top of the car with me but there's actually a car underneath, and if you go down uh, right below the driver's door of that white car, you can see a little bit of orange. That's actually the other car where the fuel cell from this 114 was pushed through his car. Um, so that was after we'd got a couple cars removed uh, from the back of it, but there was there were six involved in that, and it was it – was, probably the biggest uh cleanup incident we had and i think it was 26 minutes or something we had all the cars off the track and and we were back green flag but um that was pretty intense because you have to figure out a how many cars you have and and where where the drivers are at so that photo really really took off on media there for a while
1: uh you got a question jerry
2: i i do uh Helmet removal, if you have a driver who's who's complaining of a uh, spinal injury, I've seen products in the past that like the eject system, is that something Mm -hmm. that you guys work with or something that that you would recommend for a driver?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the eject system is something that that we're huge fans of. It's the only one really in the market that we've seen like that. There's two different ways the eject system works. There's one where the drivers have it built into their helmet, and they just have a little hose down on the driver's side, and they have a sticker that they should put on there. And so the big thing is they need to if they if you have a driver that's traveling they should go to the safety crew and say hey i have this have you seen it and show them how it works because it does no good if a safety crew doesn't know what's on the helmet Um, but the other way it works is we have uh, a foil packet we can take the visor off the helmet slide the eject system in above their head and the air bladder pulls it off so it works, I, I, it's one of the most amazing helmet removal products out there. There's another one, Stand 21 makes called the Baklava and it's a Nomex hood that has a strap over the top and there's ringlets here. And then down here, there's two finger holes. So I can come up behind you, put my fingers through that and I pull it and what it does is it lifts the helmet off and it's built on your Nomex hood. Hmm. So I think that's a really good product for the drivers to have because if they have to have a hood already, it's already built in, but it's not going to wear out. You don't need any other thing with the eject system. The safety crew needs to have uh, the air bladder for it. So there's there's two different styles the Stand 21, uh, I haven't seen it as much in the markets, um, but it's a, it's a great product through them. But the eject system is something that we carry on our trucks, and it comes with the CO2 cartridges or the hand pump bladder. Um, I hadn't another heard thing, of
1: those. Is, what's that? I, said I, had, I hadn't heard of those. Yeah,
0: they're, they're awesome. They're, they're made by Simpson. Uh, it's a great product. We, we buy ours from Lane automotive and it comes in a nice traveling case with, I think four or six CO2 cartridges and then a hand bladder. So if the CO2 isn't working, but then all it does, is it just inflates the helmet slowly off the head. Um, and where, you know, I, I think that's a really good product to have. Like I said, it's, it's really good if the drivers already have it built into their helmet because we're not trying to manipulate the helmet to slide anything up there. Uh, but it also depends on the driver's injuries and the county's protocol. Some counties have it where uh, you you're not to remove a helmet from a suspected neck injury until they get to the hospital. Other ones like ours, we're allowed to. Uh, but you know, you just have to know each county's protocol. And obviously, if there's an airway obstruction or something, then absolutely the helmet comes off. But that's something that we get to a track. We ask, hey, what's your county's protocol? Because I don't want a medical director from somewhere calling me up and, and having an issue down the road.
1: Now, so, uh, one of the questions we got here, I'm not sure that you, you'll you be able to answer, but uh, he wants to know basically, uh, do you think that, that the tracks do enough in, in, when they're inspecting the car and in inspecting the the uh, safety Tracker equipment as equipment. well? Yeah.
0: Some, some tracks or some divisions, you see the traveling series do a pretty good job at it. Um, some tracks, no, absolutely not. At Nashville, we had a uh, guy that came, he resided up in Michigan for a long time, uh, Jack Gritter, been around racing forever. He had a book, and every driver that came out to Nashville, he would go inspect all of their equipment, all the safety equipment, and they would get a sticker for that year. Um, and if they had something that was expired or something, then he would work on, okay, you know, you can't race this week, or you can if it was right on the expiration cutoff, but you have to have it fixed by next week. So there's some, some tracks and divisions that, that do an amazing job. Uh, and then there's some that, that don't do anything. I've seen more tracks that don't perform a single safety function. I had a track one time I messaged them and I messaged them here about a year ago too, just kind of curious on what their safety, uh, standards were. And uh, a long sleeve t-shirt and gloves <laughs> were a good idea was exactly what I was told by the owner. Um, yeah. and that's a. Uh, you know, it kills me when I see tracks like that, and I, I've been to that track a couple times just to see it. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that, that you have that you get, you know, cars out there with glass windshields and glass windows, and literally just a regular street seat belt on an old Cadillac the guy was racing. Um,
1: and the, it's, there's, I mean, what, what can you do in, in cases like, I mean, there's you can't force. The rules to be changed. I mean, the only way to do that is for drivers just to not show up that don't feel safe to, right. to race there. So,
0: uh, and that's where you had. Uh, there's, there's been some really good advocates in the safety industry. Harley White, the sprint car racer, she posted a couple of years ago or two years ago. She went to a track and she's like, "Hey, where's your ambulance?" And they're like, "It doesn't get here till race time." She's like, "What about practice qualifying?" They're like, "No." She's like, "All right, we're loading up and leaving." And a lot of cars from that division end up doing the same thing that's what drivers need to do is they need to come together and say our safety needs to be number one we're putting a show on for you you're pocketing some money from it you know we, we need to come you know and it's a tough tough aspect track safety because it, again we don't make the profits for the yeah. track we, we cost the track money but in the long run a track that has a safe program their insurance premiums get better and The track you know you have an efficient safety crew like i said that six car pile up we're racing in 25 26 minutes that that gets the show going quicker people don't want to see us hand brooming oil dry all night long they want to see racing and that's where we and we want to again we want to get done and enjoy beers with with everybody after the races so the the sooner we can do that the sooner everybody's happy
1: okay uh scott warner wants to know if uh you've seen a uh, track use a water truck. To take care of fires
0: yeah yeah and that was uh the instance of that one in california they were using a water that truck the and water they, that was empty yep yep uh and, and some some have done a really good job at adapting the water trucks where they've put on pumps and motors and, and built hose rolls onto it and uh, that works and then there's other tracks that just have a water tank with their, their sprinkler system on the back and they go well we got water there but they don't have a way to get it on there so um you so know, it, it seems... can
1: be an effective thing if, if done right okay
0: yeah yeah you just need you need you know you can easily take a water truck and throw a harbor freight water pump on it that can pump you know 50 gallons a minute and get some hoses and a spray nozzle and is it as good as a, a fire aid or an enforcer compression system absolutely not but is it gonna be better than a track that has nothing at all
1: absolutely gotta love Harbor freight <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a go to uh, One one last thing here, uh, Jody has a has a, a decent idea. What do you what do you think of this uh, having a label on the back of the helmet with name, blood type, allergies, etc.? Yeah, there's All the medical um, information.
0: There's a company out there. I think I'm gonna forget their name now. I think it's called Life Squared or Squared Life. Um, they actually did it for Knoxville Nationals a couple of times where it's a QR code.
1: Oh, okay. They put it on their
0: helmet, and you can actually just take your phone, scan that QR code, and then it actually has it where you can hit a button and it'll actually send that information off to the hospital nearby. You, you know, the safety crew set it up ahead of time. Um, that was a program that we worked with down at SA- or at PRI a couple years ago, um, and it was a fantastic program. But yeah, something with, with their information on it, whether it's on their helmet or, um, you know, if they're doing a driver registration, if they have that on there, we take it we get it in an envelope and so we have a sealed envelope so we're not looking at who has what medical condition but if, if someone happens i can pull out late model car number 12 pull out that open up the packet and have that information at hand because the more information that we know the better um and that's we we we're real fortunate at kalamazoo a lot of the drivers respect us and so they'll come and tell us like hey had an injury this week, just, just so you know, and, and they'll explain it or, or talk us through it. And that really helps to get that idea, just kind of see where everybody's at. And then we we know what to be looking for. Cause if we don't know that you had an injury, you know, we might think it's a new injury and, and might raise some concerns.
1: Are there any uh, new safety innovations on the horizon that, that you know of, uh, you know, that, that's coming?
0: You know, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, i'm hoping the eject system kind of continues to take off and becomes a thing the med board uh it's the the medical backboard that we have out of calmsu it's been out for a bit uh but it's not really it's not in every safety crew yet but it's a short uh just spine length backboard with a strapping system it's called the uh, med for medic uh motorsports extrication device Uh, And that's a great product because the seats, again, are so tight to get a driver out of it's extremely difficult. So that's a product that I I highly recommend. It is expensive. Um, So that's where safety crews need to start a GoFundMe or some kind of sell some T-shirts to to raise some money for it. But something that's not going to wear out overnight, it's carbon fiber. Um, It's tough as can be. We use it for all of our training, so we use it. Non-stop on the training grounds, but then we throw it in our truck and we use it on friday and saturday nights um, And that's a great product and then I would say Fire aid and enforcer they're they're making some amazing fire suppression products out there. One of the things they have is a uh, uh, aerosol can that comes in different sizes 16 20 and 22 ounces but for your trailer stuff like that and we've actually had a couple drivers that race count was you that had them and they they've saved them from burning their trailer down at the end of the night. They leave a rag on something they shouldn't. Um, and it's a little aerosol can that, that's really effective.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a track promoter just the other day who was uh, thinking about making it mandatory to at least have a, a fire extinguisher in your trailer, you know, for, for all the yep. racers, which I was like, oh, I guess that is a pretty good idea. Makes sense yeah and you see i have seen a lot
0: last year i got a bunch saved on my my uh, computer of of tracks that had trailer fires you know they something happens the trailer catches fire and and they're in line with a bunch of other trailers becomes a row of black cats pretty quick um and the cool thing with the fire aid is if if you're a safety crew or a track you reach out to fire aid on their website you can actually do a fundraiser so we did it two years ago where we bought three or four cases of the, the uh, suppression aerosol cans and we sold them, they cut us a discount and then you sell them for the set price and you make, I can't remember, it was like six bucks a can or something. So you're not getting a ton of money off it, but at the end of the year, you know, it pays for some fire suits and, or helmets or radios, whatever a safety crew needs. And that's something we've tried to always do at Kalamazoo is we try to raise up a little bit of our own money to buy fire equipment or suppression equipment. And then, you know, we go to the owner. And so between the two of us, cause I could easily go to him and say, hey, give me more money, give me more money, give me more money. But when I say, hey, I, I raised us X amount of dollars or I got us the, the medical backboard for X price, you know, can you help us out with this? It really shows that you, you care about what you're doing and obviously take care of our equipment an important aspect of it.
1: Well, I know we've been uh, talking quite a while here. I just have uh, one last question for you as far as safety goes. Uh, what are your thoughts on all classes uh, at the local tracks mandata- making mandatory uh, Hans devices?
0: I, I'm 100% for that. Um, I know drivers are not, uh, and, and promoters and stuff, they're they're worried about losing the drivers. But if all tracks say it's mandatory, guess what? When that driver says, I'm not going to race here because you're making me do it, they can't go down the road and race at the next track. And that's what it's going to take for, for something like that to happen is, owners and promoters have to band together and say, if you're going to race in these divisions, you have to have these. And and whether it's Han's brand or the next gen, something like that, where a similar product, you know, you could open it
1: up. Some kind of uh, hidden neck restraint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think the neck rolls need to go. uh, And and we need, that's what I use. And that's (laughs) that's what we have for the simulator. It works good, but you know, I I think we've seen that the Han's devices, they work. And so I, I think that's absolutely something that, they, they need to move toward and it's 2021 and, and we're still killing race car drivers every year and a lot of times they are from unfortunate circumstances where a hums device would have saved them or a fire suppression would have saved them um you know racing is not a cheap sport and part of it is the safety equipment so drivers don't mind spending a bunch of money for some shocks that'll shave off a couple tenths of a second but when it comes to something that could save their life all of a sudden you're ridiculous for acquiring it so
1: So Ron Miller, if you're still listening, uh, put in the comments how much uh, one of those uh, devices would cost uh, through Ron Miller Race Cars, just out of curiosity, or a price range, whatever you want to give us. Uh, Jake, we appreciate uh, the time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're going to be working uh, Kalamazoo this year. Any other tracks uh, that you'll be around, or just uh, Kalamazoo this year? Uh,
0: You know, is going to be the primary this year. We got 33-plus events, uh, so we're going to be pretty busy out there, but I'm hoping to pick up some other events i i always enjoy when the phone rings and someone says hey you want to come come work with us i i uh, always feel like the days of thunder scene pulling on a motorcycle with my gear bag and, and going to work so uh, that's something our, our whole crew's passionate about we we love going to other tracks and, and working with our workers so we'll 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 be you know wherever this year uh like i said we're we're real excited for 2021 and hopefully we get some more racing in this year
1: Again, what's uh, your Facebook uh, page so that people can find you? Kalamazoo Track Services is our Facebook page. Like I said, we'll
0: have a website up here. I'm hoping within a couple of weeks, we're, we're just putting some finishing touches on it now. Um, and then Kalamazoo Track Services at yahoo.com. Um, we always are willing to travel, train people, uh, put together classes, and we'll, we'll do an SFI certified class anywhere. Uh, we can you know, put that together pretty quick.
1: Cool. And there's. Uh... There's the cost uh, from, from Ron. So yeah, those can get uh, pretty pricey there for the head and neck restraints. Well, Jake, we, we appreciate it. Thank you uh, for uh, giving us the time tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks Jake. Take care. Jake Steele, the uh, look at you. You're big now, Jerry. There we go. Now we're even Jake Steele (laughs) track safety director there at Kalamazoo Speedway. Pleasure uh, talking to him. Uh, Most of the comments saying, yeah, money well spent. If you can't afford uh, the safety stuff, you shouldn't be racing. So I have to talk to Ryan and get one of those. Uh, Something I've been meaning to talk about here. we got some uh, race news to get to before we get to the how many and a chance to win a uh, Big D's pizza. pizza. And the prize pack is for the winner tonight, not for tonight's how many guests. That's correct. That's correct. So one th- one thing I've been forgetting to mention is Rick Eshelman. You know Rick Eshelman, okay? Yes, I do. Voice of the uh, he's what with the uh, World of Outlaw late models now. He used to work at Oak Shade years ago. He used to do Toledo Speedway. Uh, he did Eldora. I've worked with him at Millstream, and he is a guy that does not do social media. He was never on social media. A few weeks ago, he pops up on Twitter. I'm like, Rick Eshelman is-, is on Twitter. He's tweeting about the uh, World of Outlaws and stuff, so um, everybody go follow Rick Eshelman on Twitter because <laughs> I just find it funny that he – I wonder what – I want to know what happened. We're going to have to talk to him to see if he yes. was pressured into uh, creating a Twitter account or what because he was – he's one of those guys uh, that's, you know, a little bit paranoid of, of that kind of stuff. Great guy, <laughs> though, great guy. A little uh, old school but yeah, very, very old awesome school and he'll and if, if you need a joke he'll have one for you and it's usually really colorful. We should have a special R-rated edition of the Hammerdown Racing Report. We'll have him on and we'll just have him tell jokes the whole time.
2: We, we can have him I could probably bring in Tim Nichols. he he would love to tell some R-rated jokes with us.
1: Okay. Well, we'll consider that. Why not? We need a we need an R-rated show every once in a while. Uh, another thing, uh, an update on the Best of Toledo that we were bugging everybody to vote for us last uh, fall. For the uh, winners, I guess are going to be announced.
2: <laughs> hammer after <laughs> I said, dark. No, I was
1: laughing at the his flip phone died. <laughs> that, that's why he's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll call that the Hammer After Dark for the radio. Yeah, Anyway, Best of Toledo results no, I should be. That
2: was a totally different show.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> Best of Toledo results are coming out next week. So we'll find out who uh, the best podcast in Toledo uh, through the Toledo City paper deal is. Uh, right so, here. Yeah. It's been a while. And report, I yeah. hope so, but I don't know. It was just cool getting nominated. We appreciate that. Uh, the World of Outlaws' NASCAR Energy Drink uh, Sprint Car Series action at Cotton Bowl Speedway for this weekend has been postponed due to uh, Texas. Still recovering from uh, that snowstorm. They're, uh, they had a state of emergency Um, You know, all that stuff. They lost power everywhere, and they couldn't handle the cold. They're not ready for it. But anyways, so that's been uh, postponed. Uh, World of Outlaws have also, uh, and we mentioned this last week, had uh, been forced to cancel their uh, spring West Coast swing that was supposed to start March 4th at the dirt track at Las Vegas, and that was supposed to go through April 10th. And uh, and at Vado Park, that is due to uh, state and local restrictions due to COVID. So there's like a totally new schedule for... And
2: then the All-Stars also changed their schedule. That's
1: on here, too. So there's a lot of flopping around here. It's almost (laughs) like last year, again, where the schedules are kind of being made up as they go. So if you want to see the updated schedule for the World of Outlaws... um, Check out uh, the world of slash sprints and uh, you can get their, their whole schedule there. Uh, and one of the tracks uh, that they're going to be going to on this adjusted schedule is East Bay raceway park, which they haven't been to since I guess, 1983. So that's pretty
2: cool. Yeah. It's yeah. always been the all-stars for the winter nationals
1: and then the three sixties and stuff for the king of the three sixties. So it'd be very cool to see the outlaws back at East Bay. Uh, and speaking of rescheduling Lucas oil, late model dirt series is going to do that as well. They are, uh, uh they decided along with the officials at 411 Motor Speedway and Talladega Short Track uh, to move their dates off the weekend of April 9th and 10th so as not to conflict with the uh, World of Outlaw Late Models event at Bristol Motor Speedway on the dirt there so uh those dates have been shifted to May 14th and 15th uh, uh,
2: that's very cool that that tracks are able to set that aside for that kind of an event uh, i don't know if you've seen some of the videos uh I was watching a video of Kyle Strickler and uh, both Scott him he and Scott Bloomquist. I saw the the Bloomquist
1: one, yeah, the in car. uh,
2: Strickler's was from from the back end of the car, and it it
1: fast. That's going to be cool. Seeing some dirt track racing there. And and as you mentioned, Attica Raceway Park is going to open the uh, 2021 uh, All Star Circuit of Champions presented by Mobile One Points Championship season. One week earlier than originally scheduled, they moved that to uh, the Spring Nationals. Is now going to be the weekend of April 2nd and 3rd instead of April 9th and 10th. Uh, the World of Outlaws, I think on the 9th, they're going to be at Kokomo Speedway. And uh, they have a date on the 10th, too. I don't remember where that was. So that has been moved up a week uh, with the rain date of still uh, April 9th and 10th. You know, So if they do not necessarily rain, it could be a snow date, whatever, or too cold date. So they can't... No.
2: No, no, I'm just no, saying.
1: No, no. I believe I saw this thing that had uh, uh, the list of uh, the 12 seasons in Ohio, and uh, we are currently in fall-spring. Second winner yes. is coming. Shh. I know. <laughs> Two-time Daytona 500 winner Michael Waltrip is the latest driver to join the Superstar Racing Experience, the SRX deal. Uh, Ray Everham, Tony Stewart's new series. I remember Ray Everham this time. I can never remember his name for some reason. I-
2: well, You had it written down this time.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't write it down. Oh, oh it's not really? on there. Uh, ah. the SRX uh, series is going to be uh, what is it, six uh race short track series running Saturday nights on um, CBS. Starts in June. Uh, features drivers of a variety of motorsports, identically, uh, re- identically repaired race cars. Well, I copied this straight from uh, from Dave without reading that. <laughs> identically prepared race cars. And uh, you know, Waltrip's in there along with uh, what do we got? Uh, Tony Stewart, Tony Canon, Paul Tracy, Bobby Labonte, Willie T. Ribbs, Bill Elliott, Ernie Francis, Marco Andretti, and uh, Elio uh, Castroneves. So, a lot of guys, it'll be uh, interesting yeah, it gonna be so, very interesting. A lot of personality there, too.
2: Personality, a lot, a lot of different, lot, lot of different uh, yeah. oh classes of racing coming together and it's going to be interesting to see those guys on the dirt going to a short track to a little bit bigger, faster track. It'd be fun.
1: Dirt and asphalt both. So yeah. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Owned the, or owned, joined the ownership group of the uh, IndyCar Music City Grand Prix, becoming the most recent addition to an elite group of owners that uh, includes Justin Timberlake, Stanton Barrett. I used to love Stanton Barrett just because I used to, like saying his name Standen Barrett. <laughs> Stan Barrett, he's a he's a stunt car driver too and a former racer. Yes. Uh and a number of other uh famous or popular big names not necessarily popular but big names in uh, the ownership of that 3-day event will be staged on a temporary 2.17 mile grand prix circuit in downtown Nashville and around Nissan State the uh, Nissan Stadium campus the course will cross the Cumberland River via the Korean Veterans Memorial Bridge, making the Music City Grand Prix one of the only events in motorsports to cross over a major body of water. I hope they have high walls and fences there. I don't want to see any cars splash in the water. Sounds like a bad movie, though. Uh, Speaking of IndyCar, fans will be permitted at this year's Indy 500. They were actually permitted last year, but Penske decided just to say, no, we're not going to have any. Because it was a very small percentage that, that they were allowed. Um, the exact number of fans for this year's Indy 500 has yet to be determined. So,
2: be nothing like like the old days with you know 400,000 running around.
1: Yeah, but and I believe that it's be going free. to be back in its traditional date of Memorial Day uh, weekend this year. As it just, should. It,
2: it was cool that they did move it, you know, and still get it ran yeah. last year. But it, it you know stinks not not having the month of May the build up to it.
1: So uh that Bristol Dirt Nationals deal is getting pretty big. Yeah. Kyle Larson, he's uh gonna be running a late model there among some other uh NASCAR Cup drivers. Uh that's gonna be leading up to the uh truck and cup series event there on the last weekend of March. They're gonna have uh, the Bristol Dirt Nationals before that. I believe what, they're having late model sprints and they're having modifieds. I think modified yeah,
2: compact, of, you name it. They're, they're running a, a full blown bash event with it, every kind of race car they can get. And, and, and I like it. I, I yeah. think it's going to be an opportunity for a lot of guys that have never had the chance to race there to get a chance and just be with dirt on it. And it's also going to help the track for the cup cars because NASCAR is going to need that track to be as packed tight, and For those heavy possible. cars,
1: yeah. Well, exactly. I'm curious to see if it's going to stay together with the heavy cars wearing and tearing on it.
2: I, I think they're pretty prepared. I've seen them putting lime and everything else in it. it, it just the videos, like I said, of seeing uh, the Strickler and, and Bloomquist, it looked like they've got a really good surface to work with.
1: Uh, they should uh, just uh, leave a dirt. I'm sure Ron would agree with that. I have no argument with that. Okay. Jonathan Davenport and Kyle Busch are going to be teaming up to uh, run a late model in that uh, Bristol Dirt Nationals again. That's uh, March 19th and 20th. Uh, also uh, joining Kyle Larson will be Joey Logano running a late model. He ran uh, uh, modified down at uh, Florida during the, the speed Get weeks different. there. Yes. And uh, so he's going to be running a late model there. So you got at least three cup drivers that are going to be producing participating in the uh, Bristol Dirt Ma- Nationals on uh, March 19th and 20th. So that'll be pretty cool. I, I doubt yeah. anything that they uh, learn from uh, the late model translate into the cup cars. Be Very like, little. Uh, be uh, like driving a four-wheeler and then a truck, semi-truck. Probably not going to translate much there. <laughs> Did you hear about Daniel Suarez in the uh, Daytona road course race on Sunday? What happened to him late in the race?
2: No, I when I read the prep, I was very <laughs> shocked to, to see that he had that happen.
1: So apparently, with 25 laps to go, he started feeling ill toward the end of that race. And then he threw up in his helmet with 15 laps to go and still managed to power through it and finish 16th. I think he was like 34th or something, too. So he actually moved up quite a few positions uh, after throwing up in his helmet, which is like my absolute worst nightmare. I think you it's, know,
2: it's not not the the first time I've heard of something quite like that. It, only there was another driver who had it. Let's say it came out the, the other other end. end. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. And they, it happened in the first ten laps of the race. And they finished. A, it was a cup race, mind you, so it was a long race. <laughs> and they won. They won, huh? They won. Uh, Who was it? it? I am not going to divulge that, but I would say that it took them about 15 minutes from the end of the race to get to victory lane because they had to make a pit stop with a trailer and change Ah, uh, fire suits.
1: Different kind of pit stop. I get it. (laughs) Uh, multi time uh, USAC champion Chris Windham will make his NASCAR Cup Series debut in the uh, Food City Dirt Race at Bristol on March 20th. So we got some cup guys doing some... uh, Late model racing, and we have Chris Wyndham. is going to make his debut in the Dirt in the Cup Series. So
2: I don't think that's going to be the, the last of those kind of announcements we're going to see in the next probably few not. weeks. I, I, I look to see uh, quite a few Dirt guys getting a shot,
1: and I, I hope they do well. Uh, that race is going to be March 28th, uh, and he's going to be driving the Rick, Rare, Rick Ware Racing 15. <laughs> Easy for you to see. The Rick Ware Racing number 15 is... Uh, and, going to be his vehicle before. this is where
2: the, the the charter charters and cup kind of bums me out because it's only going to give four or five guys a yeah. chance from the outside to get into that race uh that that's why i am a big fan of the dirt nationals and and, and doing you know the truck race and stuff there so i maybe, maybe a few other guys will get a shot but i i think they're missing the boat by not letting it be an open qualifying and letting some other guys have a shot at it
1: well, one thing that is cool that they announced yesterday is the uh, format for the races for Bristol Motor Speedway on the dirt. They're going to have qualifying races for both the truck and the Cup Series, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. No no, no last chance race or anything like that, unfortunately. It, just, it sounds like it's just going to be qualifying races to set the lineup for the main events. Uh, those are going to be, they're going to have four of them, 15 laps each for uh, both the trucks and the Cups. going to take place on Saturday Saturday. Uh, for both the Cup and the Truck Series, uh, March 27th, starting at 4:30 with the trucks, and the uh, Cup Series, I believe was at 5:45, six-ish, something like that. It'll be shortly after then. Uh, then the Truck Series main event will be later on that evening. So that'll be kind of cool. I kind of wish Absolutely. they would do the, uh, the the qualifying races on for the Cup Series on Sunday before the race. You know, like a regular Saturday night deal.
2: Yeah, but then they got to run their happy hour practice and everything before eh, the
1: race. Eh. Fremont Speedway posted uh, updated rules for the 305s and their dirt trucks on uh, their website. So if uh, you're one of those guys who might want to check that out, I did not. I don't know what the any differences are. I know there was uh, talking with some people building some uh, of the dirt trucks. There are some possible rule changes coming. So uh, definitely check that out. They uh, should be posted there on Fremont Speedways page, NASCAR. T-
2: I, I love the 305s at Fremont and Attica, but the one thing that I would love to see is that race saber series spread a little bit more and, and be able to be more competitive. Uh, I, I love that the 305s are open pretty well at Fremont and Attica, and guys can put a little more money into them. But I, I'd like to see some more of the grassroots guys involved and be able to, to have a chance.
1: Okay, personal. Opinion. What? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how far off the race either race saver series is uh, from, from the regular Fremont 305s. I,
2: I know the race saver motors are sealed and it. It's oh, a, it's a motor. motor. Okay. I got yeah. you. Um it, it, I don't know the exact difference, but I know that there is a dollar difference between the two. And that's what keeps you know, a few of those guys from coming up and, and racing more at Fremont Natica. But I mean, they still do. They, some of them do still show up And it's, it, you know, it just, it's hard, hard to do when you know you're competing for, third or fourth or one back. (laughs) That's what I do. Not this year. We'll see. It's the next generation.
1: (laughs) NASCAR team owner (laughs) Chip Ganassi was suspended for one race and fined $30,000. That seems pretty hefty. uh, For violating COVID event protocols, he had a non-essential individual in a restricted competition area last weekend at Daytona. So uh, don't do that. But we've, we've all learned now. Uh, and that's uh, that's it for the racing news. I think we uh, pretty much covered everything there. Thank goodness. Outstanding. Absolutely. So last week's how many for a chance to win a Big D's Pizza and a uh, Tim's, uh, what? what's in Third the
2: Simulator? Yeah, what's Tim's, Tim's price pack. It's a what's pack, in the price pack? Uh, stickers, uh, koozie from General Tire, some other sort of stuff. And we also need a shirt size from the winner because we're going to give away a Wicked Cushion t-shirt along with that.
1: I want to win. Oh, wait. <laughs> I did win. At least uh, as far as the show, people. How many inches of snow is going to be on the ground directly in front of my race shop garage door at 6 o'clock tonight? I went out and measured. I actually took a picture. I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't transfer it off my phone here. So you may have to, eh. it's going to be hard to see there, but there, there's the snow. You can't really read it, but it is five and a half inches. How much snow is still outside my uh, my garage? There, it's melted quite five a bit and a too. Half. Still five and a half. <laughs> hey now, the snow, the snow.
2: <laughs> the hammer after dark. I won't. Go so there.
1: Uh, yeah, the winner. I the I was the lo- the lowest guess out of uh, the show members here. I guessed eight, so I was closest there. Online, our online winner and the winner of that uh, Tim Sims prize pack and a Big D's pizza is Cody Thomas. Cody Thomas guest, 4.5 inches.
2: Congratulations, Cody! Make sure you get a get with us on the the price back and uh, get so we get your address and a shirt size so we can get you taken care of.
1: Yeah, shoot me a message and we'll uh, hook you up with Dean Henry too for the uh, Big D's Pizza. So tonight, how many? You ready for this? I was I'm struggling. Ready. I was struggling to come up with one. So this is what I came up with. You already know what it is because right there in the prep in front of you. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I was proud of myself. How many guesses? I'm sorry. How many, how many guesses will we have for this week? By Sunday at 7 p.m. How many, how many guesses? Basically, how many guesses are we gonna have in the comments? For the how many? For this how many question. It's like a it's like a circle. It's it's like infinity. So if you want to guess <laughs> and a chance to win a big D's pizza. And let me let me uh, stress that this is legitimate guesses. You cannot guess multiple times. Yes, yeah, because that gets you black flag. That that that's counts. right. And then your first guess no longer counts. So then it's like a negative one. You don't want the black flag. So how many guesses in the? the how many will we have by Sunday at? Uh, I decided what time did I say? Seven o'clock. That way I don't have to. I can figure it out next week, and I'll have to. It can't be manipulated as easily. Uh, so you got some time. You can uh, guess if you're listening to us on uh, iHeartRadio or uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, not live. Just find our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash HammerdownRacingReport, or go to HammerdownRacingReport.com and click on our little Facebook link there. Find our, uh, our live video here from Thursday night, and uh, go ahead and put your guess in. And uh, there's a quite a wide range already. Uh, 113 on the high end so far. Ryan Miller guessed his own number, 35. So uh, I'm going to put him down for uh, his guess this week. Again, Ryan Miller not joining us. If uh, you're just joining us late, he was feeling under the weather tonight, so uh, no voice, but he can still type, so that's good. Um, oh wait, I won, so I have to guess first, don't
2: I? Is that how we decide? Yeah. Here. Uh, go for it.
1: I'm going to go with. I'm going to go uh, 34. I'm gonna go on the low end.
2: I think we already got thirty-four in the chat. I'm right. going eighty
1: two. <laughs> okay. There you go. So the winner, uh whoever's closest, uh, do guesses by host count? Yeah, but we don't win anything. It's just for bragging rights for the guests. It's the only the people in the comments. It's
2: gotta be in the chat. So oh, I, see. I I think unless we're in the chat.
1: Yeah, he's talking about Ron. Ron's Ron's guess doesn't count necessarily. Nah. So somebody else, and you can guess the same number as somebody else, too. That doesn't matter. So if if Ron guessed 35 and you want to pick 35, you can do that. That's a bad example because Ron doesn't count. If Robin guessed 76 and you want to guess uh, 76, you could do that. If we have a tie, if it happens to be 76, we'll spin spin the the wheel. Spin the pizza wheel. The big D's pizza wheel, as a matter of fact, determine who the winner is. So there you go. I think I've explained the hell out of that now.
2: Oh, let me explain one more thing, too. I need your shirt size. Tim has decided that since you won last week's how many, you should get a Wicked Cush T-shirt
1: as well, Scott. I like T-shirts. T-shirts are (laughs) large, by the way.
2: Large. I will make sure he knows when we did when again.
1: (laughs) That's going to do it for this uh, week's edition of the Hammerdown Racing Report. Thanks uh, to our associate producers, Dave Kemmer, Matt Swander, and we'll still say Doug Doc for now. I haven't heard from Doug yeah. in a while over there at Sandusky Speedway.
2: I started to watch their uh, their new, Sunday night thing. Yeah, I got sidetracked and didn't watch all of your. But it. Oh, I say, wait! but everything. Uh,
1: hold, hold the show! Hold the show! I see. I. Uh, that's a good question. There, a host guest is part of the count. So basically, she's asking if Ron's guess here in the comments is going to count. I don't know. What do you think? He typed it. Yeah. 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 It counts. Ron's, Ron's guess, his number is that number will count as one vote or one guess. So, yes.
2: But our, our, but our guesses on the show should, yeah. do not because we're not in the, the chat. We, Just the ones you, in you the chat. You can't physically count ours.
1: Correct. Now, if Ron were to guess again and put in another number, then he gets the black flag and his, vo- his vote doesn't count. So, so there's that.
2: Well, well with your that? prize pack, got a pack of Wicked Energy gum, courtesy <laughs> of Wicked Cushion. So, <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you again to Tim the Sims. The longer we go, the more stuff the we'll just throw in there. <laughs> I like it.
2: Thank you again, Tim Nichols, Tim Sims, uh, Tim's Dirt Track Simulators. Make sure you check them out. Tim Sims, powered by I- iRacing on Facebook. Uh, big things coming from Tim Sims. Just keep your eyes open. We got some big things coming. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again here
1: real soon. We may have to have Tim on the show sometime to talk about the Sims. Absolutely. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to be talking to Andy King about uh, the Dirt Track Truck Series. Jerry knows a lot about that. And uh, two weeks from tonight, who do we uh, who do you have?
2: Ernie Wooder, driver of the Zero 01 Stock Car and UMP Modified. Uh, Ernie, did getting into the UMP Modified game just recently and actually went down to Florida this year to compete for the first time and had a pretty good run, brought his car back in one piece. Looking forward to talking to Ernie, the multi-time uh, track champion at Eldora Speedway, multi-time winner of the Kieser Memorial at Limeland Speedway, Limeland Motorsports Park
1: as well. Oh, something I forgot to mention. I played our exit music again too soon. The Hammer down Hotline, 419-318-3081. I was told we were going to have a call, and I had a little preview of what it was going to be, but uh, we there were no messages this week. I was very disappointed. <laughs> it was going to be nine Coronas, <laughs> and it was as sung by a person that I know, and it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, unfortunately, he did not uh, did not do that. So, anyways, uh, call the Hammer Down Hotline, 419 318 3081. Anytime, day or night, leave a message. Whatever it is, whatever's on your mind, we don't care. We'll play it back at the uh the Don't end care if it's show. racing, it could be whatever you want to talk about. Just, you just, can sing us a song called Nine Coronas. Yes. <laughs> I wish I remembered how the words go. Because we were talking about something about uh, there should be a song called uh, My Corona about the coronavirus. I'm sure there is. And then. The person I was speaking with uh, said there is a song, Nine Coronas. He's oh, like, no. After Nine Coronas, <laughs> she looked like somebody after nine. Cor- <laughs> that's all I that sounds
2: like that might
1: be part of Hammer After Dark 2. It but could I, be. I, I, I digress. <laughs> well, after that, uh, thanks again to our sponsors associating. Uh, with our badness. Oakshade Raceway, of course, uh, our presenting sponsor. Appreciate all the support from them. We're the fastest meat to meet the race. Looking forward to uh, getting that schedule coming out soon and getting out to the track. Uh, Real Geese Silhouette Decoys. Check them out at realgeese.com or call 419-800-8100. Millstream Speedway, first race May 9th. Looking forward to that. The roar of the engines back there down at that Finley Power Plant. Big D's Pizza and Clyde. 419-547-1444, Big Nut Burger, all kinds of, I mean, they got everything there. Any, any, like, and I'm super picky, and there's probably 30 things that I could eat there.
2: Oh, he's even got, for the for the keto crowd, the low-carb cr- crowd, he has his keto pizza. Uh, I haven't tasted it yet, but it looks delicious. I've got to get up there and
1: try that. And uh, finally, Ryan Miller Race Cars, 734 856 Hopefully, uh, Ron will be feeling better and be with us next week. Join us uh, next Thursday, 7 o'clock. We out. Say goodnight. Goodnight. There you go. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. You have been listening to the
2: Hammerdown Racing Report, available on demand on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform.